My name's Brian, and I'm an alcoholic. Everyone. My topic tonight is pretty simple. If you work a half-assed program, you'll have a half-assed life. I know for me that if I work a half-assed program, I'll probably drink again, and that would be a half-assed life for sure. The reason I continue to work step six is because it helps me not pick up the first drink. That makes it pretty simple. I think all of the steps, I get lost in them sometimes, but if I bring it back to that main point, I don't want to pick up the first drink, then, then all, everything else is possible. Chapter 3 is one of my favorite chapters in the book, more about alcoholism. It's very basic, describes the foundations of recovery in AA. Chapter 3 also tells the stories of Jim and Fred. I like these personal stories because they help me remember the principles of our program. Here's the story about Jim. Our first example is a friend we shall call Jim. This man has a charming wife and family. He inherited a lucrative automobile agency. He is a good salesman. Everybody likes him. He's an intelligent man, normal so far as we can see. He did no drinking until he was 35. In a few years, he became so violent when intoxicated that he had to be committed. On leaving the insight on leaving the asylum, he came into contact with us. We told him what we knew of alcoholism and the answer we had found. He made a beginning. His family was reassembled and he began to work as a salesman for the business he had lost through drinking. All went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. All went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. To his consternation, he found himself drunk half a dozen times in rapid succession. This story about Jim tells me if I don't enlarge my spiritual life, I'll get drunk again. Watching men and women in AA has taught me the same lesson. People who just work the first three steps have more difficulty staying sober. The story about Fred is even more dramatic than Jim's. After Fred's first trip to the hospital, he managed to stay sober by himself for a while. Then he went out of town for a few days and picked up a first drink. He drank continuously for the next several days and landed back in the hospital. In the book he says, As soon as I regained my ability to think, I went carefully over that evening. Not only had I been off guard, I had made no, no fight whatever against the first drink. This time I had not thought of the consequences at all. On the next page he goes on. Two of the members of Alcoholics Anonymous came to see me in the hospital. They grinned, which I didn't like so much, and then they asked me, asked me if I thought myself alcoholic and if I were really licked this time. <coughs> They cited cases out of their own experience by the dozen. This process snuffed out the last flicker of conviction that I could do the job by myself. Then they outlined the spiritual answer and the program of action which a hundred of them had followed successfully. Their proposals were not intellectually hard to swallow, but the program of action was pretty drastic. It meant I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out the window. This was not easy, 
But the moment I made up my mind to go through with the process, I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved, as in fact it proved to be. Quite as important was the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all my problems. Quite as important was the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all my problems. I've since been brought into a way of living infinitely more satisfying and more useful than the life I lived before. I'm just going to close with the last three sentences from this chapter. The alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. Thank you.